0: In episode 8 of Camtech Chats, we're not traveling from Boston to Bangalore or Kampala or Embarara or Nairobi or New York. Camtech's director, Dr. Chris Olson, heads across the Charles River from Mass General Hospital to Central Square in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where demagi is designing under the mango tree. Chris chats with Jonathan Jackson, the co-founder and CEO of demagi about the translational grant Damaghi received from Camtech six years ago, the growth of ComCare engaging frontline
1: health providers in human-centered design and where Damaghi is moving in the next six years. Good afternoon and and I'm uh, Chris Olson, I'm the director of Camtech. I'm here today with the founder and CEO of Damagi, Jonathan Jackson, and it's just so exciting for for us to be sitting down having a conversation, um, really seeing the success that uh, Damagi has had, and and I think there's a lot of lessons we can learn um, from how Damagi has gotten to not only the sustainable uh, phase, but really a growth phase. And, and uh, thank you very much for talking with me today. Oh,
0: thanks for having me. I'm really happy to catch up. And, you know, we've been friends personally for a while and we've been involved with CamTech for many years, so it's exciting to, uh, to yeah. be here.
1: So, for those of you that don't know, Demagi is one of the world's most powerful mobile data collection platforms. And ComCare is one of the tools in their armamentarium that's a phone based tool for community health workers to improve maternal and newborn child health. For those of the, of the audience that really aren't familiar with ComCare, can you describe how this tool builds and strengthens capacity for community health workers in low-resource settings?
0: Yeah, so um, the platform at its base is a cloud-based offering like a Salesforce or a Gmail or something you can go sign up for. And that platform allows you to build mobile applications that operate offline. And the key to that offline operation is that you're able to track data over time, longitudinally, and provide decision support based on that data. So the canonical use case we have is a community health care worker working at the last mile, taking care of pregnant women in a village, and they don't have a great internet connection. So they want to register households, they want to go back to that household, make sure the mother has healthy behaviors, knows where to go to clinic if she wants to deliver in a clinic, or a hospital if she wants to deliver in a hospital. And our platform allows you to build that entire system um, with a drag-and-drop interface as a public health student, as a technical professional, or as just a person who's motivated to build a mobile app. So we have thousands of projects, and that really enables everybody to build these applications for these last mile workers. Right.
1: And so they're really able to adapt it to their unique needs, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So we have
0: uh, a lot of our use cases, probably the most popular use case, is in maternal and child health, which is what we worked with Camtech on. Um, but we've since grown to agriculture use cases, TB, HIV, malaria, basically every use case you can think of where there's somebody at that last mile who has
1: an inconsistent network connection. Yeah, really. So it seems like a platform technology that you've been able to branch out into exactly. other fields. Yep. Um, so it, it was already, it's uh, hard to believe it's been this long, but it, it was actually in 2012 that uh, ChemTech, which is based at Massachusetts General Hospital, um, awarded Damagi a $100,000 award to improve the lives of mothers and children in resource-limited settings. We were really excited about uh, engaging with uh, Damagi for this initiative with this inaugural translational grant awarded to Damagi, but really to further develop ComCare. Can you tell us about how ComCare and Damagi have evolved uh, since that uh, award was? given
0: yeah so to highlight that award back in you know 2012 it was a, uh, a great award for us because the argument we made to Camtech was you know we have this platform so it does many things but it specifically um, could have a outsized impact on community healthcare workers and we specifically studied the potential effect in India and Kenya and the approach that we said is we think that the technology itself has a great impact but if we really support the workers, to measure their own performance, to improve their own performance, we can get a potentially much higher outcome, much more impact for the same technology investment. And the really exciting thing about the study that we did out of that uh, grant was we saw that when you provide performance feedback reminders to the community health workers in um, Uttar Pradesh, India, where the study was run, we saw a 21% increase in the number of household visits they were doing. And so this is basically like 21% increase for free because we'd already bought the phones, we were already running Comcare, we'd already paid for the data plans, right? So adding those nudges, those reminders, those performance graphs um, was huge. The really interesting thing was when you you segmented that population, so this was on the back of a PhD student's research who was at Harvard Business School at the time, Mm. and he was doing a lot more work. And so he had actually surveyed all of the community health workers to understand are they intrinsically motivated or extrinsically motivated? And if you looked at the ones who were intrinsically motivated, you actually saw a 40% bump. And if you looked at the one who's extrinsically motivated, you saw zero percent bump.
1: How have you been able to maintain uh, ComCare's relevance and adaptability within both disrupted and distributed health systems, and and also with with varying levels of uh, very vari- various training levels of health workers uh, that I'm sure you deal with in different settings?
0: Yeah, so, Dimagi has been very fortunate that we've had a you know, we're for 4 perfect, uh, social enterprise. We're a certified benefit corporation. And so we built the business really to create a scalable, impactful model. And the platform approach we've taken is saying, you know, we know not all frontline programs are going to be created in the same way. We know not all training Um, is going to be equally good or bad. We know that health workers are going to have very different levels of skill. So what are the common components from a digital perspective that we think apply to a very large swath of those frontline workers? And then how do we empower the local organizations to decide exactly what they want to build on top of that layer? So we actually now have what we call three different business lines. So we have our software a service business line where somebody just signs up for the platform never talks to our professional services team and builds their own application and deploys it. That's the fastest growing segment of our business right now and uh, one that we're really excited about because it scales exponentially. Then we have our global services team which is really um, where the original um, genesis of the business was. It's us in the field working with partners, building the app. And we're building capacity, we're out there doing user-centered design, what we call design under the mango tree, iterating you know, every day with the users trying to build just the right app for them. Mm-hmm. And then we have our enterprise portion of our business, which is building these massive at-scale national projects. And is at a totally different phase, because you're not at the build phase for very long. Yeah. You very quickly get into the scale phase, which is a whole different ballgame. And so those three segments of our business have been really exciting to try to grow. And by being able to meet a lot of customers in different phases of where they might be from a funding standpoint or scale standpoint or a complexity standpoint, has really enabled us to work with a huge number of partners. And that's been part of the success as to why to we've like been able to, to get to where we are.
1: Yeah, it's, re- it's really amazing growth in what seems to me like a, a small amount of time. I know you've uh, been in the trenches and it probably uh, might not seem as, as quick as it has to me, but Damagi operates in, in many countries around the world, in the US, in Senegal, in India, in South Africa, and in Guatemala. What similarities and differences have you seen in these medtech spaces with uh, implementing Comcare?
0: Yeah, so I think the, the interesting thing is, is really one part is the sophistication. So we've been in the sector since before mobile health was like the name for the sector, and now it's kind of transitioning into digital health, but we've kind of seen the entire thing. And we've seen a rapid maturation of what the different sectors are looking for. And one of the key things is whether, um, if we're working with the governments, how much they're looking at the digital health strategy as a collection of 10 projects. Versus a selection of three cost-cutting platforms that will then enable 10 projects to be built on top of them And we're seeing the more successful countries are switching to this vision of we want everybody to coalesce behind a common vision For what we are trying to achieve and figure out how to segment these digital projects in The countries where there's really 10 independent projects Well, if any of them start to go to scale, they bump into each other a lot with not, not very many synergies And so... Um, you know, back in 2020, 2012, 2013, there was a lot of what we call pilotitis, where we were just like, why we were not as yeah. pilots. Um, and one of the challenges as these projects are now starting to go to scale is they're not really designed to build up, um, you know, what is the scale your project is trying to have versus the scale my project is trying to have, and how do we allocate the funding that's going into a particular area. In areas like the U.S., there's like no central coordination plan, right. so it's just, you know, it's, a, it's free-for-all and and operates the way it will, in other countries there's more alignment between either donors and the government or just what the government's trying to achieve with a better architecture, a better vision, and that then allows us to plug in in a much more productive way because we view our approach as, you know, we're never going to be the standalone tool in the health system. We want to be that last mile working with frontline workers. Well, that means you need an EMR, you need an aggregate data collection system, you need a warehouse, you need a master patient index, you need all these other technologies that we're not going to provide and we want to be able to know how do we make sure we can make the frontline workers successful but also plug into this bigger vision. And countries that we operate in are very widely distributed across that spectrum and that's one of the things we're really trying to figure out Is as our business matures and as we try to figure out you know, what is our place in the market, we're trying to say like, do we want to be operating in countries that are all on that spectrum or do we want to specialize in the countries that have not maybe aligned on their health architecture or the ones that have and you know what are the impact benefits what's the best bang for the buck and we're still trying to sort that out as we we
1: look at these different right. markets. It also seems that you would be able to influence some of the the maybe more disrupted countries in by giving the examples of success that you've had in in others has that been the case?
0: Yeah absolutely so the the biggest successful project we have is in India it's now the largest digital health project in the world for frontline workers and we're at over 100,000 active monthly users who are using the platform in a comprehensive way to take care of an entire community and work on health and nutrition outcomes. Yeah. So that 100,000 users is five times bigger than our entire rest of our global portfolio, and that project's on its way to 10 times bigger scale. So wow. just huge, huge scale in India. And we now are able to use that project to say, look, the unique aspects of that project are, you know, going to be unique to India, going to be unique to other context, but some of the commonality is going to be there. It was the first project where from the first day of the project, the government bought the first phone. Usually what you do is you go in, you're like, okay, well for the first 500 users, the NGO or Demangi will buy the technology and then we'll convince the government that they're excited about this and they'll pick it up. Well, that never happens in our experience. So in, in India, we worked with our funding partners, with the government and with everybody who was part of this ecosystem to say like, let's just wait, let's wait, let's hold back, let's figure out the procurement roadblocks. And that was successful. And now that unlocked the ability for the government to scale very rapidly. In all of our other projects, when we do it the other way, you then hit this roadblock and, and often the government's like, well, why don't you just do it again? You, know, you bought the first 500. Like, this is kind of hard to figure out in our procurement, so why don't you just buy the next 500? Right. And that, that doesn't create a sustainable path for scale. The other thing was really, um, we talk a lot in our projects about scale versus scope and about knowing when you're in a you know, build more scope phase, and then when you're in a don't touch that, go to scale phase. In this project, we did a huge amount of building out scope initially, proved mm-hmm. the, the product worked for the users we were targeting, and then we locked that in, and we just focused on scaling for a year and a half. Right. And during that year and a half, we also added SMS reminders, we added a data warehouse, dashboards, all sorts of stuff, but that mobile app was really stable. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was the supervisor app and, and some other things, but that was critical to the success of scaling. Very often you get caught in this, do both. You know, like right. you had a successful pilot, so double the scope, you know, add four different user types and make it more complicated. And while you're doing that, rush to try to get to district just, level scale or, or something else. To scale. Um, and so that was another lesson learned for us was really being disciplined and having a great thought leader in the government to say, that's it's, it's good
1: enough, that's what I want, now let's just scale it. Yeah. Wow, that's, that, that's fascinating. Um, now, switching gears, Camtech launched... Um, what we're calling a She Solves initiative to empower girls and and women in in the global med tech startup ecosystem. And and really when you look, and the numbers can vary quite a lot, but uh, if you look at frontline providers, uh, women comprise uh, over 75% of them. And in what ways has Damagi really engaged women in the development process and as uh, both end users and, and creators of ComCare?
0: Yeah, so one of the things we um, are very passionate about is the critical role that women play in development in general. And like they're the vast majority of our users at mm-hmm. the mobile level because of the vast majority of frontline providers across all sectors, not just healthcare. And we have been very um, excited to work with that population because – we believe a lot of the statistics demonstrate like that's you know that's one of the key paths to uh, development and to increased uh, outcomes for families. In terms of our design methodology, we have an approach that we call design under the mango tree, which is really user centered design, and, and we happen to do it under a mango tree. <laughs> um, and we you know we're so passionate about this. I will be honest, like as our projects have gotten bigger to scale, like you get to do design under the mango tree for the first month, and then for the next five years, you're you know in the scale phase. So we've gotten to do less of it as our projects have started to expand. But that's always been key to us. Is like, what does the user really need? What does the user really want? And like one of the things we used to take a lot of pride in um, back during this period when Camtech gave us the grant was like really being one of the firms that was out there at the front lines with the user day in and day out, making sure to solve the problem that we actually thought it solved for her. And it was almost always a her because like as you said, you know, these frontline workers are predominantly female. Um, And so that's been one of the great things. Also, um, you know, we're really excited internally our gender balance as a company is roughly 50-50. And for a tech firm, that's not that typical. Um, so we are you know, extremely proud of the stuff that we've been able to attract. And that also, I think, enables us to bring a balanced perspective to you know, how to engage appropriately culturally in those things um, at the front lines.
1: Yeah, I really, it is so unique in, in the med tech space that I really think you uh, can be a thought leader in, in that uh, sector as well. Uh, Chemtech uses a co-creation model as you as you know to identify pressing challenges in the field, um, uh, both clinical and public health, and accelerate those uh, solutions really from ideation uh, to towards commercialization and, and impact. Um, one thing that that uh, in 2012 when uh, we received Comcare's proposal, um, we, it was led by uh, Dr. Scott Lee and Dr. Neil Lesh, um, who have backgrounds in medicine and business, as well as implementation partners at Damagi, Catholic Relief Services in India, and uh, Ugunja, Um Community Resource Center in Kenya. So your diverse engagement really led our expert review committee to select Damagi and uh, for this inaugural award why was it so important to have a group of partners with diverse skill sets at at demagi and and uh, i think you spoke somewhat to this uh fact but but you could imagine that a lot of of either mobile or digital startups are all coders and and can you speak to Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm a recorded by background,
0: but switched into mostly the business side as I've been running the organization. My co-founder, Dr. Kumar, was a uh, you know, Harvard Medical-trained physician. And so, from very early on, we recognized the benefit of having a diverse set of perspective as we try to figure out how to solve solutions to particular problems. I really like the term co-creation that Camtech uses and, um, and that model, and I really think that's, what, that's similar to what we mean by designer of the mango tree. And even to the detriment, I think some of our staff are like, well, but we're assuming ComCare is the starting point. I'm like, well, that's our business. Um, <laughs> but even then people are like, well, why, why would we assume we need an offline case management tool? Like, what if they need something else? And like, we have gotten into a few projects, either almost to a contract or even after a contract, where we're like, ah, you really don't need what we have. Um, are you sure you want to move forward with this? And maybe a simple SMS tool will work, or maybe some other solution, or maybe a paper-based solution will work. Um, because it really is about getting like, what is the problem we're trying to solve? What is the way to solve that? And hopefully, like, our technology is the answer, and we try to make sure that's true before we sign a contract. But, um, you know, really having that diverse perspective and bringing a clinical focus, bringing a user-centered design focus, a lot of our staff originally was very technical because we were writing a lot of the software. As our platform became configurable, our our the, the people in the organization really shifted to be more public health experts or design experts or you know former programmers also. But we have such a huge diversity of backgrounds and people across all of our different teams. And I think that's a huge strength of the organization we can bring not just a tech-centric perspective um, to these problems, because I think a lot of times if you do a product like we do, everything looks like... You know you need offline case management and like probably everything does need offline case management if I'm honest but uh, it is a deficiency of the organization if you don't have an ability to step outside of you know what you offer and say what does this really need and I you know, won't say we're well, perfect at it but like having these diff- diverse set of team members having people outside the organization on projects um, having those multiple perspectives is so critical to making sure you're solving the right problem and, and actually solving it like it's really easy to convince yourself you're solving a problem uh, yeah. and either that's not a real problem or you're not really solving
1: that. right exactly and so refreshing to hear because you often hear of companies with an idea that they've they've essentially married and and they ask questions in a way like isn't this a great idea and and they get the answers that they were uh, uh, presupposing and so it's it's really refreshing to hear you say that there are those people out there that your answer and your tool might not be their solution. And so I I think that probably just engenders more uh, trust in in your brand. Um, So as I mentioned, you're the founder and CEO of Damagi and and you've been immersed in in creating uh, this company as one of the most powerful mobile data collection platforms. Could you share an example, uh, or maybe more than one, of where things didn't go as planned and, and that led you to adapting your strategy or, or pivoting that might be inspirational for for people who are just starting out on this journey. Yeah, so
0: I mentioned one of the um,
1: earlier points on the scale versus scope idea, and I'm giving
0: a talk on it next week, so it's like fresh in my mind. I literally just practiced the talk before you guys came here. Great. Um, So that's one where, um, simultaneously, we had this massive successful project in India. We had another one that got um, closed down because we couldn't meet Mm -hmm. the timelines, and we were trying to do both. We were trying to hit scale and scope. And I, I think it's a really hard conversation because at the start of the project, the first six months are the same, no matter what you where you conclude this discussion, discussions, like build the MVP. You know, build the minimal viable um, project and product and then be able to scale that up. So to force everybody to have the hard discussions at the beginning of the project, like what are we really t- calling you know calling success? And if we hit that bar, are we just switching to a scale-up phase? Are you gonna have more scope you're gonna wanna add? If so, what's the definition for success at that point? And then how do you get to scale? So um, I really wish we had figured out a way to talk about that more honestly as a project earlier on. Um, other challenges we've had are, um, it, and this award's actually a good example. So, like, back when you gave us this award in 2012, we kind of let us revenue when we were thinking about our business model. Um, and, like, in trying to become a sustainable business, like, getting research grant awards is not a sustainable, long term scalable business. Like, you were paying, like, MGH and Camtech were not paying us for the use of Copyright, right? You were giving us a grant to go study and research and improve the product and platform and so thinking about a lot of these grant awards and innovation awards which are absolutely critical to getting a lot of these social enterprises off the ground like making sure you don't think of that as revenue because a lot of successful social enterprises get on this curve and you you know you get the early grants, then you get the bigger ones and bigger ones, but then there's a cliff and like you better have another business model that comes in and fills that up. Right. And so a lot of the groups we talk to in the Boston area that I advise or that I'm on the board of, I'm like really sensitive to this issue of like, you know, have your accounting books and your cash flow and stuff, but like, what's your actual business model? And it better not be winning research grants or innovation awards yeah. definitely
1: Yeah, it, which is uh, also really insightful because we do, through Camtech, have met uh, startups now from around the world, or have, have ideated within our platform, and making that transition is is a really big deal. There are. Increasing structures where people can get those early grant phase, but just that understanding that it's it's just the initial fuel, but you need you need something else to sustain you right. moving forward. And
0: it's not um, it's funny because like it's just if if folks are listening to this who are in the normal private sector who get venture capital, they're like, yeah, obviously, like you don't put venture capital into your profit statement, you know? I like guess it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a liability, and so it's it's just that you know it's that mm-hmm. simple of like looking at these grants as you know different type of Growth capital and infusion capital, and I mean, like, that's not top line revenue. Yeah, that you should be thinking about. Like, you had a more successful business because you won three of these instead of one of these. Mm-hmm. But you have more capital to play with. But like, you're no more of a successful business just because you raised more funding.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I think that lesson that your uh, your VC dollars are not your revenue it would actually help a lot of people here in the United States <laughs> as, as well. Um, so. Uh, it it really is remarkable how you've developed this what seems a sustainable model, and I just hope it continues to grow. Um, you just gave uh, one lesson for for um, people that are embarking in this digital health space, but can you consider some other just. Lessons from the business standpoint, like that you wish you would have known and that you would like people to be laser focused on.
0: Yeah, and particularly with impact-oriented social enterprises where you're you're not necessarily selling to a very wealthy market, it's to look at the customer base and be like, who's got margin that I'm trying to sell to? Because like if you're trying to sell to people with no margin themselves, and you think you're gonna extract a lot of margin for your product, like you're kidding yourself, right? Yeah. So if it's the government do they really have margin like can they pay you above cost if it's a certain community depending on their income level can they pay you above cost or are you going to be happy if you just get your cost reimbursed mm-hmm. and it's critical to be thinking about that i know you know some of the innovations camtech has run directly like those are critical questions of what is the what is the cost per unit what is the the profit margin we're going for and you know it sounds simple but it's it's the, the profit margins vary quite widely with a lot of the demographics we're trying to serve. And it's like, if you're trying to sell into a market that has no profit margin, where are they gonna get the profit to pay you above your cost? And I think if you don't have an answer to that question, um, even if you have a successful product, even if it does exactly what you said, how are you gonna sell it for above cost or even at cost? I think you really have to ask yourself like, well, somebody else has to have margin as well. That's why they give right. me a piece of their margin, right? In order right. To, to buy my product. And if you can't answer that,
1: you're gonna have trouble figuring out a real business model. Right, and you may waste a lot of time in in the process, so um, hopefully that's also an impetus for people to really be thinking early on 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 business modeling as part of not the the future activities that occur after your grant phase, but actually uh, upfront to see if there's something that you can envision being sustainable. So it's been six years since uh, this inaugural translation, uh, translational grant. Uh, where does Demogi plan to take Comcare and, and the rest of its tools in the next six years or in the future?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. So we're really excited. One of the new products we're building now um, is actually around managing a fleet of phones, kind of like boring old IT software. But if you look at what Cisco offers or what some of the other bigger vendors offer, they're for big enterprise IT shops, and you know we're deploying hundreds of thousands of phones, millions of phones across the industry to frontline workers, and like they need to be secured, they need to be encrypted, they need to be appropriately monitorable. So we're trying to build out a new product line there, um, which we're really excited about. Wow. And that's in the early phases of the market. Um, it's called Mobile at Work, and then we're also looking at building out our data science and artificial intelligence, which is all research right now, but saying how's this going to get to scalable, you know, repeatable stuff in the market. Um, That project I mentioned in India just has an amazing amount of data. I mean, 30 to 50 million forms are coming in per month um, that are creating a a huge amount of data. And so the Indian government has an amazing opportunity to to really figure out what insights from a public health perspective or from a programmatic perspective. A lot of our other projects that are starting to get to that kind of scale become very, very exciting and interesting uh, from a data science and AI perspective. And so that's one of the other areas that we're looking at. And then in the core platform, I'm just like, you know, what Common Care can do, how we can improve it. We're so excited that we've continually added more features into the product, Um, but it's like it can do a lot, and we want to say, how do we get more and more users to be able to do more and more with the platform? So it's not necessarily about adding the next feature, it's about taking features that are already there and making them more accessible and more powerful to ultimately create more impact at that frontline worker level. And one of the key things we're seeing from a scale perspective is when a project's been operating for two years, um, you know how do you add in a new feature easily you know how do you turn on SMS messaging in our marketing software I know you know if you go sign up for a product today I can track you I have all the data on how to use our website we have that for mobile users not just the Muggy and ComCare but all the digital health vendors like we're not a B testing how to create more impact we're not running 20 experiments supporting users saying how do I make this easier for you to use how to make it more powerful for you to use so we really want to build in a lot of that Testing capabilities. so a lot of our projects can
1: get more rapid iteration cycles to improve their their apps and their products over time as well. Right, it's re- it's really exciting, and it seems to uh, that it it will f- sort of um, there's fuel that was in the uh, added and and now you're just going to keep building, and I'm I'm really excited to see where where Demagi will go, and and I I think that. The use of the platform for, um, for data, um, for machine learning and, and artificial intelligence is, is uh, really fascinating. Um, thank you so much for taking your time to talk with us today. I know you're, you're incredibly busy. Um, even when you look at the numbers, like you told us, like 30 to 50 million forms per month. Um, that's the sort of scale that, that is, is really inspirational to, to all of us in the med tech space. And so um, thank you again for taking your time. Great. Thanks. It was wonderful to chat
0: and I look forward to seeing where we are in six years as well.